from Las Vegas. You're listening to Verve Church for people who don't like church. Thanks for tuning in. I saw Barbie and Oppenheimer both this weekend. I was surprised. I had no idea, not to spoil, but I didn't know that Barbie later in life got blacklisted for being a communist. But I think I, I might have confused the plots of those two movies. Anyway, uh, there was a popular TV show in the 2000s, and there was this one episode where the main character, the president of the United States, uh, confronts a Christian radio host. And the president wants to demonstrate to her and to everyone listening how irrelevant the Bible is, how absurd it is. Uh, He says, you know, I'm interested in selling my youngest daughter into slavery, which is sanctioned by the Bible in Exodus 21, verse 7. She's a Georgetown sophomore. She speaks fluent Italian. She always cleaned the table when it was her turn. How much do you think I could get for her? Whoa, wait, is that really in the Bible? Is he right? Can you, like, does the Bible say you can sell your daughter into slavery? And and, and then he continues. He says, here's a big one. Here's a big one. Uh, It's really important because we have a lot of sports fans in our town. And and so touching the skin of a dead pig makes one unclean, Leviticus 11.7. So I'm wondering if they promise to wear gloves, can the Washington Redskins still play football? What about Notre Dame? Can West Point? Is that really in the Bible? For, for real, does it say that you can't touch pigskin? My chicharrones! He continues. He says, uh, hey, hey, does the whole town really have to get together to stone my brother John for planting two different crops side by side? Can I burn my mother uh, at a small family gathering for wearing garments made from two different threads? What's he talking about there? Well, he's actually uh, referring there to Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 9 and 11, that says, uh, Do not plant two kinds of seed in your vineyard. If you do, not only the crops you plant, but also the fruit of the vineyard will be defiled. Do not wear clothes of wool and linen woven together. And the point he's trying to make is clear. The Bible is stupid, and so is any Christian who believes in it. it. Christians, I think he's trying to say, don't even know this stuff is in the Bible. Because if they knew it was in the Bible, man, they wouldn't stand for all of this. So we are in a series called The Bible for Grownups, in which we're learning about the Bible and how to learn from the Bible. And the first week of our series, uh, we talked about how if we live by the Bible, not just read it and know it, but actually live it out, it will set us free. The second week of the series, we examined evidence for the Bible and discovered there's a ton of evidence, a ton of reasons we intellectually should believe that the Bible is the accurate Word of God. Uh, Last week, we started to uh, unpack some of the really weird sounding or even potentially disturbing sounding things in the Bible. And last week we learned four principles that are essential for helping us to understand the Bible, especially those weird verses. And so let's do a little review. Some of you may not have been here, some of you probably forgot. So the four principles were, uh, first, the Bible is a library, not a book. 
We, we call the Bible a book, but it's actually a collection of 66 books containing all kinds of literature, different kinds. Uh, there's history in it. There's biography in it. There are letters in it. Uh, there's poetry in it. Remember, Shane's a brick. How? She's mighty, mighty, letting it all hang out. If you weren't here, you missed a lot of things last week. We probably should never talk about it again. Uh, it was written beginning in about 1400 BC. It was completed about 180. It was written by uh, about 40 different authors using three different languages across three different continents. And when you read it, if you know who it was written by and when it was written, Man, it really impacts uh, and helps us to make sense of what we're reading, including the stuff that might sound a little weird. Second principle was that the Bible was written for us, but not to us. There's nothing in that Bible that was written to us, but it was all written for us. We said last week that the Bible is 100% inspired by God. We, we can trust every word of it, and every word of it was written for us, but none of it was written to us. It was written to someone else at a different time in a different culture. It was not written with our culture in mind, with our uh, assumptions in mind, and that's why sometimes it's hard to understand. Most of the time it's not, but sometimes it is. And if we really want to understand it and benefit the most from it, man, we need to enter into the world of the original people it was written to and try to hear the words the way they would have, which was the way the original writers intended for them to be heard. We need to be uh, aware of that because the, the easiest thing to do, the most natural thing to do is read those words through the lens of our culture and our assumptions. And so we need to be aware. Uh, otherwise, we might be confused by things we don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me. We, we might apply something to our lives that doesn't apply to our life. Uh, we might think that there, there's this promise in there that God's making to me, and then I get upset with God. Like, why doesn't he do that in my life like he promises to? But the promise wasn't written to me. It was written to someone else. Third, don't read a Bible verse, which usually you don't hear in church. But we said last week, don't read a Bible verse uh, because a verse will mean so much more if you read more than just the verse, if you get the context of the verse. Remember we learned about context? Uh, Dar we learned Darth Vader, just for, wait, ready? Just for once, let me look at you with my own eyes. Not very good. Dang it. That's, I, man, I, I think I can do it better than that. Uh, we learned last week that Korean barbecue is more biblical than vegan hamburgers, right? We learned that last week. Uh, you need context. And so the, the context of the, the paragraph that that verse is in, the context of maybe the chapter that that verse is in, maybe the context of the book that that, that, that verse is in, and of the whole Bible. Uh, so when you read a verse, you're asking what came just before it, what comes right after it, how does it fit in with the whole Bible? Fourth, all the Bible points to Jesus, and Jesus loved this crazy Bible. Uh, Jesus loved this crazy Bible. We see Jesus quoting the, the Old Testament of the Bible. We see him telling stories that might be hard for us to believe as if he totally believed them. And all the Bible points to Jesus. From the beginning in Genesis to the end in Revelation, all of it points to Jesus. He is the storyline of the Bible. God wants us to know him so that we can be saved by him, so that we can have life with him. And he points the whole Bible at him. Okay? So four key principles for uh, reading and understanding the Bible. We went into a lot more depth with each of them last week. If you're like, man, I missed it. I want to hear it. 
I want to watch it. You can watch or listen to it on the Verve app or the Verve website. Super easy. All right. So last week, uh, we looked at a few verses in the Bible that seem uh, absurd, seem um, may- maybe a little like um, whatever, like, like, like that just can't be true or that seems wrong. And we used those principles and we discovered, man, there's great answers for all of those things. Like it's like totally makes sense if you know the context. And uh, we also looked last week at what's probably the most controversial verse in the entire Bible, uh, because of which some people wrongly accuse God of committing genocide, and we saw why that wasn't true. Today, I thought we would focus on the verses the president in that TV show uh, brought up. In the scene, he points out these verses, and they show this Christian radio host who's always been proud to, to talk about the Bible, and she just looks dumbfounded. Like, he's saying all this stuff, and she's looking like, I don't know, maybe she never knew that stuff was in the Bible, or maybe she knew it was in the Bible, and and she now realizes, maybe I'm an idiot for believing this stuff. And and so let's go through those attacks he made on those Bible verses and see if maybe there are actually good answers that she could have given in that moment, all right? So he mentioned uh, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 9 Um, which says, uh, do not plant two kinds of seed in your vineyard. Do not plant two different kinds of seed in the same vineyard. Stupid, right? Like, why wouldn't God allow people to plant two kinds of seed in the same field? And the president asks, should should we stone my my farmer brother for doing that because he does that? Is he right? No. Uh, first, we remember the Bible was written for us. We can get something out of all of it, but it was not written to us. That prohibition to not plant two kinds of seed in the same field uh, was written 3,500 years ago to the Israelites. Why was it appropriate back then? Why, isn't it, why wasn't it stupid back then? You have to read more than just a Bible verse, right? And what you discover is that this is written to the Israelites. We learned last week that they were surrounded by these neighboring nations. And um, we learned about the evil cultic worship practices. Remember, we learned about the Canaanites. And um, the Canaanites worshiped this god, Molech. And the way they worshiped Molech is they would take their babies and they would put them in this huge metal statue that was heated up and they would burn their babies to death as they celebrated around the statue. Uh, they would offer their, their little young daughters to Mo, the Molex uh, priests in the temple to have sex with the, the priests. They practiced bestiality on and on. It was, it was evil. And God did not want his people the people of Israel who worshiped him, to be like those people or to do what they did. He wanted them to be different, okay? One of uh, the things that the surrounding people groups like the Canaanites did was this uh, magical voodoo fertility cult practice where they would take two different seeds and they would plant them together because they believed that their gods would wed those two seeds together and make their crops more fertile. Oh, that's why God said don't put two seeds together because he didn't want his people imitating those false religions. And because God wanted to bless their crops, and when he did, he didn't want them to give credit to them putting their seeds together. And so God was trying to help them to not be like 
the Canaanites and do what they did. Uh, we're we're going to look at the whole don't touch a pigskin comment uh, that the president made. But first, let's take a quick look at one more weird thing in the Old Testament that he didn't bring up. And um, if that, I know it's a TV show, but there would be reasons he wouldn't bring this up because he knew he would get in trouble with a lot of people. Um, because the Bible says not only can you not touch a pigskin, it says you can't eat pig. Bacon! What about bacon? And so here's the whole verse. He referred to part of it, uh, but here's the whole verse. It says, And the pig, though it has a divided hoof, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. You must not eat their meat or touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. And in um, Leviticus 11, if you keep reading, it also says that you can't eat shrimp, that you can't eat lobster, um, you probably know that Jewish people today who follow the Old Testament, who are kosher, uh, continue today. They don't eat pork. They don't eat shrimp. They don't eat lobster. Why did God in the Old Testament say that you can't eat pig, shrimp, lobster? Answer, we don't know. We're not sure. Uh, some scholars uh, believe and make decent arguments, uh, that it was because they were trying, God was trying to keep the Israelites distinct from the other religions and the other people groups who had evil behavior around them, maybe. Uh, Other scholars think it was for health reasons. And so remember, this was 3,500 years ago, pre-scientific, pre-refrigeration. Maybe God was protecting his people from sickness because it's interesting, today you can eat raw beef, right? Carpaccio. Uh, here's something. I don't know if anyone else will have any resonance with this or you're just going to look at me in disbelief. But when I was a kid, my father was from Italy, like came over on a boat from Italy. My, my grandfather, I think I said father, my grandfather. And my grandfather, we'd be at his house on a Saturday watching baseball or whatever. And when he was hungry, he would go and he would take raw ground beef, two pieces of bread, didn't cook it, and eat raw ground beef sandwiches. Did it all the time. Uh, did he get sick? No, never. Why? Because you can eat raw beef, right? Uh, You can also eat raw fish. Anyone into sushi? Don't invite me for lunch, okay? Because I'm not coming. I'm not not a sushi guy. Uh, You can eat raw beef. You can eat raw fish. But even today, post-scientific, post-refrigeration, you cannot eat raw pork. You cannot eat raw shrimp. And you cannot eat raw lobster. And so maybe, uh, why? Because of what shrimp, pork, and what pigs and uh, shrimp and lobster eat. They eat garbage and you get sick if you eat raw, any of those things. So maybe that was it. Maybe God was helping them to not have sickness. Honestly, we, we don't know. Uh, I told you a bunch of them last week that we know answers. This one we don't. But here's what I do know. I know that I can trust God. And I don't just mean because God loves us, and he sent Jesus. And if he sent Jesus, what wouldn't he do for us? He always wants our best. That's true. I believe that. But, but right now what I mean is when you study all these weird passages in the Bible, and time after time after time after time, there's a great reason. You're like, oh, oh, oh. And you realize God knew what he was doing. God was wise. Well, then the couple that we can't figure out, it's like, I bet there is a great reason for that too. E- even if today we don't know what it was. Remember we said last week, um, if you went back just 40 years, 40 years, and and said to someone, I'm going to go surf the web, 
they would have absolutely no idea what you're talking about, right? 40 years separates you, and they would be like, what are you, you're going to surf the web, what does that mean, right? What we're reading is stuff from 4,000 years ago. Of course, there's some things we don't understand, right? Things change over time. We can't figure it all out, but with a lot of it, we can. And so let's look at uh, the rest of the issues the TV president brought up. Um, what about this whole, you, you can't touch a pig skin, uh, so we can't play football because footballs are made from, you know, from leather, right? Well, Leviticus 11.8, we saw it, does say that you can't touch the skin of a dead pig. What's the context? Uh, we ask questions. Who was this written to? It was written to the Israelites. When was it written? 3,500 years ago. Why was this rule given? Guess what? It turns out that the neighboring countries used dead pigs in their cultic worship. Uh, we know that not just from the Bible, but because it's been revealed and confirmed over and over again through current uh, archaeological digs that have been done. And they find these temples and there's all these dead pig bones. It's like, oh, oh, God was trying to keep his people distinct from uh, these other people who we didn't want to be like. Um, what about the whole thing? So, so it says in the Bible that you can't wear a garment that is made from both wool and linen woven together. That does not sound like the most stylish, comfortable clothes to me. I'm not sweating that one. I'm like, oh, I, I can live by that. But, but still, why would God tell his people, you can't, eat, you can't um, wear stuff made from, from wool and linen? Let me guess, because of some weird Canaanite cultic worship practice, right? Wrong, not this time. Um, this time, it's really interesting. Um, if you read more, instead of making fun of it and saying, yeah, see, it's stupid. If you read more, what you discover is that back then, uh, the, the Israelite priests, the priests who believed in the one true God that, that we still believe in today, um, they would go into the Holy of Holies. It was the most holy place. And the reason they went in there was they would offer sacrifices. And before the sacrifice of Jesus, those sacrifices were the most important thing that happened because um, they, they were what would cleanse people of their sin. And when they went into the Holy of Holies, the Israelite priests wore garments made from wool and linen that were woven together. And apparently God wanted to keep that fabric for just those people. Might sound weird to us, but not really. So, so like, think about this. In our society... Um, if someone who was not a police officer wore a police officer uniform and went around in it, that'd be a problem, right? That there was actually a movie. Did anyone ever see the movie Let's Be Cops? A couple of you are saying yes. If you didn't see it, don't waste your time. Like, don't put it on. Oh, I'm going to watch. It's stupid. But the movie's about these two guys who, for Halloween, get really good police officer uniforms. And they're like, man, these are awesome uniforms. And they're like, we should just start wearing them every day. Like, like police officers get to be the boss and they get free stuff, you know, when they go to restaurants. And so they just start wearing the police uniforms and guess what? Hilarity ensues and also problems ensue because you can't go around wearing police officer clothes, right? That's, that's not allowed. You can wear anything else you want in our country. You can't wear that. And God was saying to his people, you can wear anything else you want, but this one particular thing I want to reserve for the Israelite priests. All right. So we got one more to cover, but before we get there, let me just say this. Um, we don't have to follow these rules anymore. So feel free to buy that wool and linen sweater vest that you've been eyeing on Amazon, and you're like, it looks good, but I don't know, it's wool and linen, and I think there's a Bible verse about that. Just go buy it. Um, 
why don't we have to follow these rules? Because we are not Israelites, and we are not living 3,500 years ago. They were given at a specific time to a specific people in a specific place. The question that you should wonder right now that I would ask is, how do we know which ones to follow and which ones not to follow? Right? Because there's lots of stuff in the Old Testament. Are we throwing it all out, or are there certain things we still have to follow? Because, like it says, do not murder. Like, do we toss that one too? And I can, that's cool because sometimes my neighbor really is annoying. So if we threw that one out, um, so, so here's, here's some guidelines for trying to figure out what, which do we follow and which do we don't. Um, the first greatest guideline is look in the New Testament. The New Testament is part of the Bible after Jesus comes. And some of the laws in the Old Testament are explicitly overturned in the New Testament. So when that happens, you're like, okay, that's clear, right? Jesus came, introduced a new way, uh, like 2.0 kind of thing, and he said that that one's gone. So, for instance, in the Old Testament, uh, the Israelites were told that all these foods they can't eat, pork. And uh, in the New Testament, God says, you can now eat any and all foods. Pulled pork sandwiches for lunch. Yay. In the, in the first service, everyone started applauding. It was really funny. I'm like, we're all cheering, cheering for pulled pork sandwiches. That says something so wrong. Um, so what about, what about the ones that aren't mentioned in the, in the New Testament? In general, this is pretty safe guideline. It's, maybe it's not 100% accurate, but pretty close. There are civil, C-I-V-I-L, civil laws in the Old Testament. Civil laws are the laws that a government institutes for its people. Uh, back then, the Israelites were this new nation. They didn't have a government. And so God, just like a government would, gives them rules to follow. We don't have to follow. And, and, and with those rules, there's penalties for each of them, just like a government would have. We don't have to follow the civil laws of the Old Testament because our society is different. That was a different society, a different time. Uh, then there's worship laws in the Old Testament. You'll see laws about um, you have to have this ceremony, you have to make this sacrifice. Those laws no longer apply. We don't have to listen to any of that because Jesus came and he changed how we relate to God. The moral laws in the Old Testament, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not lie, uh, love your neighbor, uh, take care of poor people, take care of immigrants, don't steal, those still apply. Those are for all time God telling us, hey, here's how to be a good person. All right? Does that make sense? Kind of? Sort of? I'm going to pretend you're saying yes, even though no one's making any movements or saying any words. All right. So one more accusation that the, the president in this TV show made against the Bible and against this Christian. Um, the, does the Bible really support slavery? And so he references, when he says, can I sell my daughter into slavery? Uh, he references this verse in Exodus chapter 21. Um, what's wrong with that? We need to don't read a Bible verse. Yeah, thank you, three of you who have been listening. I appreciate you. Um, if you just said, well, maybe we should read a couple more. Like here, there's that verse he's talking about where he's getting that. Let's just read a couple more. If you read a couple more, you would get pretty quickly, actually, to Exodus 21, 16, where God specifies the death penalty for anyone who owns or sells slaves. Uh, Exodus 21, 16, anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death, whether that victim has been sold or is still in the kidnapper's possession. So he says, if you take a person against their will, if you sell a person, death penalty. 
doesn't sound like God's for slavery there, does it? Uh, and then if you say, well, what does the New Testament say about it? Well, actually, in the book of 1 Timothy, which is the New Testament, there are this list of people. Check out this verse. It says, who are lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious. Woo! So it's saying, like, we're all sinners. But there are some people who are, like, the worst, right? Who, who is he talking about? Well, you have to read the next verse where it says slave traders. Slave traders are those kind of people. So obviously, God does not support slavery, obviously. However, uh, there are some verses in the Bible uh, which encourage slave owners to treat their slaves well. And there are a couple verses that encourage slaves to show respect to their masters. And so people point at those verses and they're like, see, the Bible supports slavery? Because right there, if it didn't support slavery, why would it tell masters to treat their slaves well? Why would it tell slaves to... Hold up, hold up. Remember, we ask questions, right? We ask questions. So, uh, question, when we think of slavery, what do we think of? We think of a person because of the color of their skin or because of their nationality uh, being forced against their will to work without pay, and that person is probably being mistreated and abused by their owner. That's slavery, right? Not in the Bible times. Uh, in the Bible times, uh, there was actually not much difference between slaves and the average free person. In almost all instances, there's a few exceptions, uh, a person did not go into slavery because of the, the, their race or their nationality. People back then sold themselves into slavery because of their financial debt. So if you got into a place where you had so much financial debt, you literally would sell yourself to somebody to try to make up your financial debt. And so slaves typically uh, made the same wages as free laborers. That uh, They could save their money and buy themselves out of slavery whenever they were able to pay off their debt. Um, there were actually, back then, there might be like a doctor or a lawyer who was also a slave. And he went out every day with his job as doctor or lawyer, and he was a slave. Uh, back then, every culture, every major world culture had slavery. It was woven deeply into the economic and social fabric of the ancient world. And so into that context, which is not what we typically think of, um, you have verses in the Bible, like, like there's some verses where uh, the Bible says the power of a master over his slave must be limited. Um, there's verses in the Bible that says if you do have someone who is your slave, after six years, you have to set them free. Whether they paid off their debt or not, you have to set them free. And there are verses that say when you set them free, you have to give them gifts to help them establish a new life. Man, no one else was saying anything like that during the Bible times. And so God was not condoning slavery. But at a time when it was accepted and the world's economy was based on it, God was giving guidance to try to help people not abuse it. And, by the way, in the 18th and 19th centuries, when slavery became something very different from that, something that we more think of as slavery, uh, when it was based on race, when slaves were being mistreated, do you know who led the campaign to abolish slavery? Christians did. Uh, you should, if you never study it, you should study it. Uh, they led the campaign worldwide to, to abolish slavery because they read in their Bibles that slavery is evil. 
and that all humans are of equal worth and that we are all brothers and sisters, that we are all uh, children of God. If you're not sure of that, if you don't know that, study it. It's, it's fascinating. Um, one person you should definitely study is William Wilberforce. Uh, everyone would agree that he was the pioneer of the abolitionist movement. And the reason that he fought for the freedom of slaves was because he was a Christian and what he read in the Bible. Um, it's, in, it's interesting. There's a PhD from Yale. So pretty smart, right? Um, and um, he, he says this. He says, you know, modern people today think about slavery and ask, how could people ever have accepted such a monstrosity? Which is a good question. But, but this, this PhD from Yale says, that's not the way historians think. They ask, considering the fact that slavery was universally believed by all societies, that, that we had the right to enslave weaker people, and since everybody had always done it, the real historical question is, why did it ever occur to anyone that it was wrong? Like, who ever had that, first, that idea first? And then he answers his own question, pointing out that the first voices in the 4th, 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries who called for the abolition of slavery were all Christians. And that these Christians did so. They called out for justice because they believed that there was a God of love who had commanded, demanded that we love our neighbors, all of our neighbors, as ourselves. So, so no, the Bible does not support slavery. And if you know how to read the Bible, you know that. And I'll, I'll end with this. Um, so so you know, we, we just talked about slaves. Um, the, the Bible, check this. The Bible actually says that we are all slaves. We are all slaves. That we are slaves uh, to self to sin. Um, and I think we know that. Like, we don't like to think of ourselves that way, or we don't talk that way, but I think we know that, right? That's why you, can't, you just can't seem to stop thinking those thoughts that you don't want to think anymore, because you're a slave to those thoughts. It's why you can't stop saying those things that you don't want to say, but you just keep saying them. It's why you keep doing the thing that you don't want to keep doing, why you keep eating what you don't want to keep eating, drinking what you know you shouldn't drink, because you're a slave. We're all slaves. And Jesus came to set us free. That's why Jesus came, to set us free. And if we say yes to what Jesus did on the cross and to following him with our whole lives, then uh, Jesus sets us free from the eternal consequences of our sin and gives us power so that we can start walking out of slavery to those behaviors and into the life that God has for us, this free life, and ultimately this eternal life. And interestingly, all of that starts with baptism. Uh, I want to show you this passage in the Bible. It's a little long, um, but it's really powerful. I'll, I might pause a couple times and explain a couple things. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 8 says, Don't you know that all who share in Christ Jesus by being baptized. So Paul's there, he's saying, um, the way that you share in Jesus is it starts by being baptized, right? He says, don't you know that all who share in Christ Jesus by being baptized also share in his death? 
When we were baptized, we died and were buried with Christ. That's why in baptism, a person's lowered into water. It's supposed to look like being buried in a grave because the idea is that in baptism, we die to our old life. He says, we were, we were baptized so we could live a new life as Christ was raised to life by the glory of God the Father. So when you see somebody being baptized and they're raised up out of the water, the idea is that this person's coming out of the grave to live this new life just like Jesus did. It says, if we shared in Jesus' death by being baptized, we will be raised to life with him. We know that the persons we used to be were nailed to the cross with Jesus. This was done so our sinful bodies would no longer be the slaves of sin. This, all this is so we'd no longer be slaves. We know sin doesn't have power over dead people. As surely as we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. So it's saying in baptism, we died to our old lives, and then we we're raised to a new life. And in this new life, we are no longer slaves. But we have been set free, and we have now have power. So we are, we're doing baptisms today, um, like 10 minutes from now, and um, maybe you're ready to do it. But like, like we have a few people who have come because they, in the last week, said, I want to get baptized, and they're ready to do it. But maybe you're not ready. Like, you didn't come prepared, but you're like, I think I'm ready. Um, you might be thinking, I, I do think I'm ready, but I, I, I didn't come prepared for that. I, I would very politely say, who cares? Uh, we have shorts for you. We have a t-shirt for you. We have a towel for you. We have everything that you would need. But more importantly, if you want to say yes to Jesus, then you, you don't wait for tomorrow. That's what God says. Um, he says, today is the day of salvation. Meaning, like, if you, if you know and believe in Jesus and you want to be saved, why would you wait for tomorrow? Just do it today. It's kind of cool. We see in the Bible thousands and thousands of people getting baptized. So we have the example of thousands of baptisms. And every person in the Bible who gets baptized, except for one, um, does so as an adult um, and does so because of their faith. And check this, does it the first day that they hear about and come to believe in Jesus. Like that morning they woke up and they didn't believe in Jesus and then somebody explains Jesus to them and they're like, I believe. And they get baptized right then. They don't like take a class and then later they don't say, well, I'm going to start going to church and maybe at some point when I'm ready, they don't say, well, I got to stop cursing. If I could stop cursing and clean up my life a little bit, then I, nope, they're just like, I'm doing it like, like today. And, and so maybe um, you didn't come thinking you were going to do this, but maybe you're like, I need to do this today. And if so, uh, in two minutes when the service ends, if you go down to the next step room, which is going to be on your left right by the exit door, uh, I'll be there. I'd love to talk to you and tell me I'm doing it. Or you can say, I got a question. I think I'm ready or whatever you need to say. Um, and then, like I said, we also we have shorts and T-shirts, everything you'll need. All right? So I'm going to pray. Um, maybe you need to say yes as we pray. God, I, th I think if we were being honest, we can all relate to the idea of being a slave. Not, not in the way we, we historically that happened in our country, but like internally. Um, it's like I do things I don't want to do. I think things I don't want to think. Um, I, I just can't seem to live the life that I want to live. There is something um, broken inside me. There's something stuck inside of me. And thank you so much, Jesus, that you came to set us free. 
that you want us to live a better life, that you want to set us free from that which is holding us back. Thank you that you died so that we wouldn't have to be, um, be in that place anymore, so that we wouldn't have to experience the eternal consequences of our sin, so that we could have life with you, life with God in his love, life eternally in heaven. Thank you. God, maybe there's someone in this room right now who did not come thinking they were gonna get baptized, but right now their heart's beating a little fast. They're like, oh man, it's me. Like, I need to do this. God, for anyone who's feeling that way, we, we just say, uh, yes. God, yes to what Jesus did on the cross. Yes, God, I wanna put my faith in him as my savior, the forgiver of my sins, as my Lord, my leader. I wanna follow him the rest of my days. Yes, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get baptized. God, for the rest of us, um, thanks for the Bible. Thank you that even though there's things in it because it was written 4,000 years ago to different people, there's some things in it that are hard to understand. There's some things that seem weird to us, but um, there's, there's great answers for all those things. And um, it just builds our faith and it helps us to know that we can trust you and trust your word. God, help us to be people who read the Bible like every day because we want to know you more. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.